Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard here on the latest BYU Sports Nation. We broke down BYU football's conference schedule matrix for the next four seasons with Max Olson of The Athletic. On the next episode, it's game day eve for BYU football. We'll dive into the numbers that BYU needs to hit in order to beat West Virginia on the old country road. Thinking, I can think of one, and it's at night. Listen on demand, Google BYU Sports Station podcast, or tune in live at noon Eastern for BYUSN, always here on BYU Radio. Next on BYUSN, Cougar football enters the matrix. We know the Big 12 schedule for the next four years, what we like, don't like, and what sticks out. Max Olsen of The Athletic breaks it all down, and who besides Texas and Oklahoma is most likely to make the Big 12 title game? Plus, BYU men's and women's hoops tipped off their seasons with big exhibition wins last night. And BYU women's soccer advances to the Big 12 tournament championship game in dominant fashion. We'll chat about it with senior forward Bella Felina. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Thursday, November 2nd. I am Jerem Jordan. He is a man who is working on a CDL, Jason Shepard. I, uh, I could drive truck. I bet you could, yeah. I could. With a goatee, I think it really... With a goatee? Like my stepdad, Bruce, he drove uh, yeah. trucks forever. Yeah. Always had a goatee. He, like, looked the trucker part. Right? The reason that we're bringing this up is because the BYU Because you're equipment, working on your CDL. Because I'm working on my CDL. That was... Well, I didn't think I needed to say that is again. You had already mentioned it. Oh. The BYU uh, equipment truck uh, made it to Morgantown, West Virginia, but along the way, apparently, um, unfortunately, a deer did not make it. Uh, and that makes three total. Um, I'm surprised it's only, uh, only three. Have you ever, crossing. have you ever hit a deer or been in a vehicle that has hit a deer? Okay, twice. And, twice. And didn't go directly at the deer. Luckily, it nicked both times the side mirror. But one, and and unfortunately, uh, the first year I have no idea what happened. The second deer did die on Highway 89 going home after a basketball game against San Francisco. I couldn't tell you the year. I just remember we played San Francisco that night. <laughs> but um, it nicked the, the side paneling uh, as well, just like an inch to where I couldn't open the door. But I was like, oh, I'm sorry the deer died. That could have been way worse for yes, me. Yes. Feel lucky. Feel lucky. Well, it's, it's interesting that this, this comes out because last night after the basketball game, I'm driving home on Geneva. Yep. And shout out to the steel plant. Shout, Utah shout City. out to the former steel uh, mill. And so I'm driving on Geneva. And I, I get past this certain area. I happen to look in my rearview mirror, and I see the other person's lights behind me flash, and a deer had jumped by maybe, I don't know, like two seconds after I had driven by that spot. Yeah. I happen to look behind it, and I'm like, oh, that could have been really bad. Oh, dear. Because, oh, boy. Yeah. Okay, let's move on after that. Which Adam Sandler movie was it? Uh, Happy Gilmore? I think. Oh, dear. You're in my world now, Grandma. <laughs> All rise and shout. <laughs> It's time for What's Trending. One of the beauties of, of the Big 12 is the new venues and the new sites. I love the fact that there's intrigue, that there's suspense, there's drama, and, and it's all happening at a really high level. This is Big 12 football, brother. Thank you, Dan Hawkins slash Gregor Bell. The Matrix movie was awesome, right? The Matrix of leadership fell to Optimus Prime in the Transformers, and now we have the 2024 through 27 Big 12 football scheduling matrix. Let's break it all down. We know the opponents for the next four years. We've never had this before, where we know that far out. Let's go. Okay, 2024, road games. BYU's playing Arizona State, Utah, Baylor, and UCF. Home games, Arizona, Houston, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Kansas State. If you want to see the rest, 
You've probably already seen them. They're on your screen as well. If you're listening to this, you can look it up. Maybe we'll dive into them later in the conversation. But we know the next four years, BYU and Utah was protected. And then there are a couple other teams BYU plays three times, Arizona, Arizona State, UCF, and Kansas. And then BYU plays everybody else twice. What do you make of this 16-team Big 12 scheduling matrix for the next four years? Yeah, there was a lot that uh, when this came out. First off, I was a bit surprised we got this much information. When we found out the day before that there was going to be something yesterday, I thought maybe it was just going to sort of give us the format. This is what we're going to look at. I, I didn't. Not the actual team. Not the actual team. So I was happily uh, surprised that we were able to see this much done already. Um, the other thing, I immediately got depressed because then I remembered that BYU and Utah are in the same conference again. <laughs> Because I've been adamant that I always – once once they had, had split, I was perfectly yeah. fine them just continuing. This is our thing. That's your yeah, thing. I was, I was happy with that situation. Yeah. So I was depressed for a moment. Uh, but then as I looked in there, – there's a lot of things here. Obviously, and at least in my opinion, BYU-Utah is the marquee Big 12 rivalry game. Isn't it weird? Like there's not another yes. one in this long established league – like. But you're taking Armageddon of Iowa State and Kansas yeah. State doesn't do it. The Sunflower Showdown of Kansas State, Kansas State doesn't do it. The Farmageddon's only being played three of the next four. It's not even every year. But to, but you got to remember though, you're taking out Texas and Oklahoma. Like that's massive. Wait, what? That you're losing that? Yeah. So so with you know Bedlam's it, gone. Yeah. So yeah. I like. Yeah. I think it's cool that day one next year the BYU Utah rivalry game is the biggest marquee rivalry matchup in the conference. It's kind of surprising. Granted, it is one of the most unique for all the reasons that we yeah. understand, most of which is the religious element of yeah. it. Like, uh, you know, the, the perception of uh, holier than thou and, and the holy war, which is not an official name for it, but that's what everyone calls it. Um, and it's, it's just awesome. We don't know the dates, but we know that BYU and Utah are playing for the foreseeable future. Do you believe it will be in any other week other than the last week? No. I, I don't either. No. I, I will be sorely disappointed if it's not. It, it needs to go back to that week. And is snow a possibility? Yeah. But that's just how it is, man. You bundle up and you just go at it. And it's fun, man. And Utah comes in with some prestige to the league, having won the Pac-12 the last two years. Per, you know, Oregon-Washington vying for that this year. Who knows? But... You know, and, and Utah feels like they're going to come in and be the main team. Um, so there's some pressure there to perform right away. BYU on the, uh, you know, on the rise, finally in a Power 5. So it's interesting. I, I love, obviously, that BYU plays Utah every year. I think this is good. Um, the three teams that BYU plays thrice is interesting. Arizona, Arizona State makes sense. Um, okay, if you're not going to play anybody else four times, at least those two. UCF is kind of random, and then Kansas is just in there. Don't you think uh, they just put the two teams that are furthest apart, and they're like, okay, fine. If you're going to be that far apart, you're going to play each other three out of four years. Yeah, and it's two away uh, with UCF, too. I have a theory too. on this. I have yeah. a theory on What's this. What's up? Big 12 knows how much we love Disney. Oh. And so they want to give us as many opportunities on to brand. possibly go to Orlando as possible. Yeah, slash uh, Harry, Or Harry that Potter UCF World. can bring them, can bring some Disney uh, merch with them when they come out to play in Provo. Some Disney merch. They're going to bring some Cape Canaveral merch from NASA as well. Like, how, how We're not NASA fans. That? We're Disney fans, okay? <laughs> what? Okay, I was hoping for a little more Baylor. Um, and, and after Spitgate 2023, a little more Texas Tech, frankly. Um, I was surprised Colorado was not involved okay. in 
that yes. that uh, that group with Utah and the Arizona schools. Of the three, yeah, uh, of playing someone thrice more often. I, I was hoping for a little more Colorado. I would like a uh, you know to to get, play Colorado a little more. I, I think that's interesting across the Rocky Mountains. There um, could be the real Rocky Mountain rivalry. What is that oh. a thing? Rocky Mountain rivalry. Yeah, uh, in Texas. Every year for a road game. I think that's good for recruiting. But only one. But only I was one. a bit surprised that yeah. BYU, now from conference, I never, as soon as I tweeted this out yesterday, I was like, well, BYU's playing SMU. I'm talking about conference games. Right, right. One conference game in the state of Texas, I, I was a bit surprised. And I'm going to assume everybody wanted as many games in Texas as possible for what you just mentioned. The well, do we? Look how it went this year. Like, uh, yeah, but you want to be in this conference. Sure. Texas is the right. place. Right, but you can balance it out. I don't want to play three games in Texas every year. No, but like I, I one think if you two can get two fine. road games in the state, yeah. that's they're only, huge. Well, there are only four of those. I mean, we're over a four-year span, this yeah. is not going to work out that way. Um, especially, I, I do love that they applied the, the number, well, number one thing I wanted was Utah every year, obviously. And then number two was, yeah, I want BYU to play every team in the league, home and road, every four years. So that if you show up at BYU and you go wire to wire, yep, I played at West Virginia and I, we hosted West Virginia. I wanted that, like, for everybody. Um, and so they did that. That was my number two, like, scheduling principle that I wanted applied, and they did it, which is really good. Um, BYU had a chance to host seven home games in 2024. They're choosing to go to Wyoming in a G5 game. So it's kind of a bummer. There are pros and cons to seven home games, the pros obviously being home cooking, more likely to win, uh, more revenue that way. Also, um, it, the challenge is, okay, ticket prices are more. And, uh, you know, I don't think BYU likes how people complain about stuff, but, hey, BYU's in a Power 5 conference. Power equals money, okay? You, it, stuff just costs more. Yeah. It, it, it is what it is. You just, it's harder uh, financially, but BYU's got to compete in that sense as well. Overall, I like it. Yeah. I, it is interesting to see that it's four years. I think it's four years because I think in five years, we don't know what this is going to look like. Like we may not know in two years. Kyle Whittingham said, "Hey, two, three, five years. You know, uh, they'll be in the big college 10. football. <laughs> nice college football might break away from the NCAA and just run itself. They almost are right now. They right. just need to do it. Um, but but what does that look like? Does each league still function in the same way? Where it's like our football teams still maintain the same conference name? Which, by the way, I wonder if the Big Twelve will be called the Big Twelve next year. There's 16 teams. They got a logo that has 12. Like." they've talked about a potential rebrand for next year. I'm wondering what that looks like as well. But I do like the next four years. That's good. You don't need to do a TV contract way the heck out there. Uh, the league did it through 31. You don't need to get the scheduling matrix out there because what if you add another team or two? Who knows? And then you have to shuffle it all again. But for now, this looks good to me. And uh, obviously it's a big challenge, but you got the five home, four road that alternates every year with nine conference games. At some point, did they move to 10 conference games? Should, should that be a thing that other people – I don't know. For now, it looks good to me, though. Yeah. I, like, I like it. All in all, it, it looks fine. It yeah. definitely has, and obviously because of the region that we live in and the other schools that are so close by, it definitely has a Pac-12 feel to it. Mm -hmm. you know, it feels, With Arizona, Arizona yes, State, yeah. Utah in there. Yeah, it, it feels yeah. like that group feels more like a Pac-12 branch of a conference as opposed to the Big 12. It is the, yeah, if, if it's the Scranton branch yeah. in Dunder Mifflin, exactly. it is the Pac-12 slash BYU piece there in the West. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you, though, and it's funny because there's so many variables that play into whether or not 
this conference even looks remotely close to what it looks like now in four years. But I did wonder, okay, so if you're gonna if you're gonna schedule this out for four years, let's say that everything stays the same in terms of the teams. So in four years, outside of the protected rivalries, what what changes? Are you then grouped in with a, a different set for three to the next four years? Or or is I, what I'm are you saying? If, if teams if, are added or something? No, no, no. I'm saying if things stay the same, what's what's different in four years? If you're going to keep oh, the same model, right. so do you then are you is BYU going to be lumped then with a different group as opposed to the the Utah, the Arizona's? You know what I mean? Like, or do you just or, re, or do you stay, re, rinse and repeat? Like, what what changes in four years? I would think. Does nothing. this pretty much is this pretty much what we're going to see I would, moving forward? I would think nothing, but your premise is what will change. Is that yeah. Something else. Something will change. Will change. So, uh, you know, e- either uh, the NCA and, and college football are no longer connected, or there's more expansion in some way. You have to look at TV contracts to really dictate that, which everyone's kind of locked in. It seems like if the ACC disassembles in some way, that certainly affects things. Like, are, is Clemson going to the SEC, and that creates this kind of domino effect? And now, there's no real other way ACC knowing. teams yeah. are in other leagues. Like, what does that look like? Now we're down to three. Uh, leagues, perhaps. I don't know, but it will be interesting to see if there's just like a straight up 64 league college football uh, conglomerate that isn't NCAA college football. We barely say the word NCAA now when we talk about college football. Like, it is, it is what it is. They're busy just looking at everybody's waivers uh, the, the, and and dealing with sign stealing and the whole deal with Michigan and whatnot. But for now, we know the next four years. We've never had this. We've always, I mean, in Independence, it was literally year to year where it was like, what is it exactly? We know next year, and we have a good sense of 25, 26, 27, but BYU is, uh, you know, scheduling Weber State. We know Weber State's in 27 and 30 now. We know SMU, right, is 24 and what was it, 27. That BYU's canceling uh, a bunch of games, right, that they had contracts with, but they had put in a clause if we join a Power Five because they thought that would be there. But this is what next year looks like. We know the dates on two games. The season opener is FCS... Southern Illinois, the Salukis, let's go. That's a, is that a dog? That's a dog, right? Is that what that is? Sure, I'll go with it. Then September 7th, we don't know what game it is quite yet. At Wyoming after that, and then we know SMU is the other non-conference, and then there's the conference schedule. Okay, we, we certainly want Utah as the last game in the regular season. Uh, most probably want that. Do you care where any of the other games are as long as BYU never goes more than two games away or two games at home at, consecutively? No, I don't have a, I don't have an issue with that. A like lot this th- year, you were cool with how it kind of shook out. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have an issue big picture with that kind of stuff. I, I think the only thing that you want to make sure is that if you're going to take, say, the, the game at UCF, that after having that type of travel, nice that, that you, that you get either a buy or, you know, maybe you're rewarded with a couple of home games or something along those lines. You get where, a Thursday road game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> BYU played a Thursday game at UCF in 2014, and that was one of the worst scheduled games of all time. Two time zones, short week. BYU lost that in OT, and and that was a tough one. That was a tough pill to swallow. That was the week after Taysom Hill broke his leg against Utah State. (sighs) So, yeah. Uh, Again, we don't know the dates. You know, we don't know which game's going to be Friday, home before conference potentially, or does BYU play on conference weekend on the road, and they just have to. Like, in the Mountain West, BYU played at San Diego State one Saturday yeah. night. Priesthood session ended. Boom, BYU played the game right there. That was the game where John Beck, the ball, like, slipped out of his hand like it was full of butter. I don't even remember what year, 06, something like that. Who knows? But what we know is that BYU 
is in the Big 12, and we have the next four years. Our question of the day is this. What stands out to you about BYU's Big 12 schedule for the next four seasons? Weigh in on X, Instagram, and Facebook. McKay Hatch on Facebook. I love that Utah's on the schedule every year. Here's hoping the Holy War is back at the end of November going forward on Thanksgiving weekend. I think it's pretty good rotating schedule for these next four years. I like the balance of it. I like the fact that you play everybody. I like that Utah's on there uh, all four years. I like the Arizona and Arizona State are three out of four. I would have been fine four every year with those guys, by yeah. the way. Uh, one, one thing I forgot to mention, BYU will not have the same kind of rivalries outside of Utah that we were hoping for because they're not playing consistently enough against there's too many. There's anybody. too many teams to really build yeah. those and play them enough. It's not going to happen. Like the St. Mary's thing in basketball right. was because you played twice a year. Imagine if you didn't play St. Mary's one year. And then the next year, maybe once. Like, in football, it's not going to happen to the level. I was kind of hoping with Baylor and maybe TCU and Texas Tech, maybe even Houston down the road. No, nah, it's, it's not. Like, UCF three times doesn't mean we're going to have a rivalry. But I don't know. you got to have a few moments there. At Tavita underscore Mac on X. Is BYU going to try and start getting seven home games and five away? I want this because it means you win more. Yeah. Like, I don't know if BYU's in on that. I've not asked Tom Homel that before. Um, well, no, we have. Uh, they said it's, he said it's possible, but we don't have a year where we know they're going to go seven home games quite yet. We can look in the future and look at the non-con and see you're always going to have an FCS at home. The hope is that you have a G. I mean, heck, there could be years where, in theory, you could have eight. Because if you're, if you're P5, if you go FCS at home always, G5 at home, which next year BYU's not, but and then if you had your P5 at home as well, plus the year, every other year you have five home games, you could have eight. Virginia's done it. Notre Dame's done it. People do it. It's not uncommon. Would you get used to too much home? Are the ticket prices too much? Will people complain too much? You're not going to complain about winning too much. Like, I, no, I know but that. You're, but you're not going to have that. You're not going to have that enough where it's going to be an issue year in and year out. And it, to me, that's not an issue. That's a positive. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, is, that is something. I would rather be while you have as many home games fewer as years of only six home games is what I would crave. Eight home games, all at 8-15. Done. Six and oh. There we Vampire go. Vampire Cougs. <laughs> well, if it's eight home games, eight and oh. Plus two. You're right. Yes. Eight and oh. Okay. Six and oh and eight home games. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> All right, join us for BYUSN Game Day Saturday at 5 Eastern on BYU TV with uh, guest host Harvey Longy joining Countdown to kick off before BYU and West Virginia. Yeah, and that's coming up on the 4th this Saturday. Coming up, Max Olson from The Athletic Breaks Down the Matrix. And who makes the Big 12 title game? What does he think of BYU in Utah every year? And, and he knows about this Michigan sign-stealing stuff. We'll ask him about it. This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, live from Studio B in the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo, Utah. Jeremy Jordan alongside Shep, still working on that CDL, as we mentioned. Good luck with the test, man. That'll be awesome. Uh, it's multiple choice, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, use the Scantron, uh, like the <laughs> testing center here at BYU. Now joining us is the man who told the, the world that the scheduling matrix was going to come out yesterday afternoon. And, of course, he was right. He's been digging into this Michigan sign-stealing scandal. He's covered the Big 12 for a long time as well. He is a national college football writer for The Athletic. He is Max Olson on BYU Sports Nation. Max, welcome back to the program. Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Okay, let's talk about uh, what came out uh, for four years' worth. And, and four is interesting because I think who knows what happens in 
the next four or five years with college football and whatnot. But what did you make of how the matrix shook out? Yeah, it was good to see it come out this early. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting. Certainly with the Big 12, there's just really no precedent. We were very curious to see what was this split going to look like in terms of how do you make 16 work? I think clearly uh, on the Big 12 end, they were most interested in in the thing that, you know, you look at the history of the SEC since they added schools. It's like there's just been a lot of matchups you just don't see very often. And I think that uh, what they were looking for is is kind of a, a setup where everybody plays everybody uh, and gets through that, you know, 15 team cycle as quickly as possible. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, especially in a league where uh, you don't have as many maybe established rivalries and you're kind of hoping to create some new ones. I think protecting four uh, made sense for, for where this conference is at. But it is still honestly, guys, it's still a little jarring, even though we've known this is coming since August. When you start kind of seeing logos on paper uh, and start seeing actual schedules home and away, um, it, it is a reminder of like, man, the th things are going to feel. I I'm sure to you guys, this season feels very different. And next season, I think for for the longtime Big 12 fans, going to seem super different. Well, and you touched on it a minute ago that the fact that you know the Big 12 with this many teams, you want to just figure out a way that everybody can play everybody. You can kind of get through that. What, what did the Big 12 conference really emphasize when when putting this type of format together? Yeah, I think that you have to be sensitive to just some of these new factors that you're going to have, especially when you add to the West Coast. Certainly, uh, trips to play these four Pac-12 schools is, is not a big headache for um, the folks in Provo. But, you know, I think that they were mindful of, um, you know, the the overall for a whole conference schedule. Like, can you figure out a way for there to be some balance in terms of just how much mileage, how many games in different time zones each of these teams are playing. And I think they were able to strike a pretty good balance, at least looking at the 2024 schedule, um, you know, to, to only ask uh, West Virginia and UCF to go play one game in Arizona, I think is important. I, you know, I think you've got to kind of be mindful that for some of these, um, you know, there can be some inconvenience to it, but at the same time, that's what everybody signed up for in this league. You know, when, when Brett Yormark came in as the commissioner of the big 12, he's been saying from the jump, he wanted to be in every time zone. And look, that's, that's part of it, right? When you achieve your mission, then uh, your people are going to have to agree to play some more night games and 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 maybe have a little bit further trips for 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 games. And you know, I think first time around for for a lot of fan bases, it'll be exciting to go to some different places. But uh, you got to find a schedule where uh, nobody kind of feels like, man, we feel like we kind of got screwed on this one. I was hoping that happened to Utah, but that was just me, I think. Uh, Max Olson of the Athletic joins us on BYU Sports Nation. It's interesting that like a year and a half ago, when the NCAA said. Okay, you don't need to uh, take division champs. You can decide how you justify who's in your conference title game. Then all of a sudden, some leagues were like, we don't need divisions at all. I think if that hadn't happened today, we may be looking at division schedule plus crossover into the other division. Um, the SEC still does that. but uh, And they have a, a lot of you know rivalries that way. What do you think of sort of that announcement and how that may have affected uh, what happens with these schedules now? Yeah, it's a good point. You know, I think that um, certainly when, uh, especially when uh, BYU, Houston, UCF, um, Cincinnati came on board, you know, there was a lot of intrigue about, well, the Big 12, you know, go back to divisions, kind of how do you split that up? How do you kind of, is there a, a kind of a neat, tidy way to do that with their new map of, of members? And, uh, you know, I think the thing that was always kind of the dominant um you know, factor for the Big 12 is 
I think they really like having one versus two in their conference title game. And they know that the bottom line that gives them the best chance to, uh, you know, advance to a playoff or get multiple teams in a, in a 12 team playoff. And I think that that, that really was probably the bottom line before everybody else kind of made their move that, you know, divisions would be nice. Maybe it's a little bit of order to the standings and stuff, but ultimately that's what they want. They want the two best teams in your conference title game to make that matchup as compelling as possible to get as many eyeballs on it. So wasn't surprised that the big 12 really didn't initiate in very many conversations about how do you go to divisions or pod scheduling or things like that. I think that uh, that end game is, is uh, the starting point for the big 12. I think some of us were a bit surprised that there were only four protected rivalries in the big 12 and obviously BYU and Utah is one of them. Um, in, in your opinion, where does that, matchup that rivalry game rank in terms of the protected rivalries in the conference yeah you know i think that that's one of the kind of eye-opening things when you look at this matrix is it, it is a little bit of a reminder too that um you know a lot of these schools uh love to hate oklahoma they love to hate texas and uh, those guys are gone and so you have to kind of have a new even if not all those games were rivalries. Obviously we have Bedlam this weekend and, and the end of that is very sad. And there's some tough ones that are moving on here, but um, ultimately this conference has to, to, to find some new ones. Um, and look, I'm sure it'll be easy for people to uh, be fired up about playing Deion Sanders in Colorado. I'm sure we can have some man-made rivalries here a little bit, but certainly I think when you have some, uh, you know, historic ones in this conference, like you've got to figure out a way to protect them. And, you know, other than maybe like, Iowa State, K-State, I didn't hear from too many fan bases saying like, wait, why didn't they protect ours? I think that, um, you know, and if you look at some of these schedules, like that that game's still on the schedule three of the next four years. So um, I think that it kind of makes sense that where they're at now that, that you know, certainly Utah-BYU would be one of the most intense ones um, that, that, that moving very quickly up the top of the list, even before Utah gets in this conference. Uh, I certainly get that sense from, from y'all. So, um, you know, I think that that one, is a big deal. And, and you kind of hope to see, like, can there be some other rivalry? Can there, can there be other um, fan bases and other programs that like, for example, BYU is just really excited to play every year. I'm wondering if you don't play every year and you only play a handful of teams three times, if you can create a rivalry, like, do you have enough of those potential moments to even get to that point? I'm not sure, but we're excited just to one, be in the league and two, uh, get to play everybody at least twice in a four year set. That was kind of my second governing principle there didn't want to ask you about BYU sitting at five and three certainly played the easier part of its big 12 schedule already tough playing some of the top teams in the league West Virginia this week Iowa State tied for first right now Oklahoma Oklahoma State looked really really good of course Oklahoma State the big surprise after losing to South Alabama what do you make of BYU's chance to get at least one more win and get to a bowl game in year one in the league yeah, I like the chances of getting one more. And I, and I think that it's really a testament to, uh, you know, this program that um, it was of the four schools coming in. I think you, you have to say BYU was the most Big 12 ready of the four. And look, in a lot of ways, that's not shocking based on, um, you know, the, the, the talented program that uh, Coach Taki has built and, and just the consistency there. But, I, you know, I, that was my very, you know, I was very interested to see as the ones came in. Like, I'm not surprised Cincinnati and Houston have really struggled just kind of where they're at as programs. But, you know, to see um, to see UCF, um, you know, had, had that winless start to conference play was a little bit surprising to me. I thought that they would potentially compete. In it, and that kind of goes to show you, like, man, it, it's it, that that schedule week to week for some of these programs is, is pretty tough. And, and just can you stay healthy enough? Can you have enough depth to uh, be comparable to some of these big 12 teams? And then if you do, can you still, you know, figure out a way to 
survive these games in the fourth quarter because you're going to end up in a lot of close games. And so uh, impressive that BYU has been able to win a few. And, um, you know, I think that it's not not shocking given that that certainly BYU has has a long history of playing power five competition. So I think that helped quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I think this is a good starting point. I, I'm sure that you, you want to win a few more, but um, you know, I, I think it's a pretty good start, especially when you go look at the other three. Max, there's, there's one big story that everybody's talking about in college football, and that's uh, what's going on with Michigan and the alleged sign stealing. It seems like every day there's a new layer to this that comes out. What do you make of all of this and, and where is this going? What does a conclusion to this look like? Do you think? Yeah, you know, we just reported a story that, that we put on The Athletic on Wednesday uh, where we surveyed uh, 50 coaches, myself and Bruce Feldman, um, about, you know, coaches throughout the the industry um, in all 10 conferences about what they really think of Michigan. And, uh, you know, far and away, the, the response from coaches uh, who who are very paying very close attention to this, not, you know, far coaches that don't play Michigan that aren't in the Big Ten uh, are very curious to see where this is going. 94% of the coaches we surveyed believe Michigan should be punished for this. They believe that um, this, this, the, you know, the alleged, you know, reported details of the signal stealing scheme provide a significant advantage, even though Michigan has built one of the best programs in the country. Um, you, you even talk to people who have a history of signal stealing and they say, this is a, a way more significant advantage than just, you know, trying to get signals off TV copy like everybody else does. And so, um, you know, where, where this goes in terms of, the, the details on, on um, you know, where Connor Stallions was at some of these games, who he sent out, what what kind of footage they got. I, to me, it's like, it, it, it's different than recruiting allegations and things like that that take out a, a long time to play out. If if Michigan sent people to games in 2023, um, to, to, to Big Ten stadiums in 2023 and, and had people sitting in those seats filming games, I think it is a pretty significant integrity issue for the conference, one that affected everybody in their league. And and I certainly can understand why there are a lot of coaches and, and ADs uh, who feel pretty strongly about this and, and wonder if Tony Petiti, the new commissioner, is going to step in uh, and make a decision on, you know, whether Michigan can play in the Big Ten title game. We'll see, you know, we got a long month to play out here. There's a lot that still needs to play out. Again, that's that's just court of public opinion. It's not it's not about uh, you know what's provable here, but um, you know I think that that it's it's been insane. It's just an insane story uh, that I think is going to uh, continue to get worse. And uh, you know it's it's wild to think, especially when you've got a Michigan team that legitimately, without any cheating, looks like one of the best teams in the country can play for a national championship. I thought they'd win the national championship a week before this all came out. So um, yeah, it's. Buckle up because this one is is far from over. Well, Max, I mean, the, the situation, let's just, you know, hypothetically, let's say that there is a punishment and it's a pretty significant punishment. Do they believe that Jim Harbaugh w would even be part of this moving forward? Because isn't, isn't this, I mean, he's going to have opportunities, you would think, at the next level to go back to the NFL if he wants it. If this happens, does he just go to the NFL and then and, and there's really, you know, nothing nothing that really happens, at least to him? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that certainly, especially with the Raiders job opening up this week and, and, and plenty more that will open up at the end of the season. Like, I think it, that seems like a more, that seems like an entirely possible outcome that Jim Harbaugh will end up coaching in the NFL next season. I, I don't think any of this stuff is going to stain him in the eyes of NFL owners. Uh, he's, he's a guy that's coached in the Super Bowl. He's won at the highest level in the NFL and in college. So I, I, you know, certainly he has pursued or been pursued for these opportunities the past few years. So yeah, I think when you you take that and you take also the NCAA recruiting stuff from 2020 that uh, is still pretty much unresolved, uh, despite the the suspension he served earlier this season. 
I think it would make a lot of sense to make that move to the to the um to the NFL after this season. But man, we've still got a long ways to go. And I, I, I certainly won't be surprised if he and, and Michigan kind of uh feel like they're gonna bunker down here and, and fight this. Senior college football writer Max Olson from The Athletic joins us. Uh, I enjoy reading your stuff, following you on Twitter. How can the people do so? Yeah, follow me on Twitter, Max underscore Olson. And uh, you can read all my work on The Athletic. Uh, now's a great time to sign up. We've got the uh, best, best college football coverage out there. Um, if, if you haven't checked it out, uh, give, it, give it a free trial. Uh, just go, go check out our coverage of Michigan and, and Big 12 and everything else. Long form writing matters. Max, we appreciate the time and thanks for the info. Thanks, Max. Max Olson of The Athletic on BYU Sports Nation. Some great points uh, from him there, and it will be interesting to see what happens with Michigan. Remember, Jim Harbaugh was the starting quarterback with Michigan in 1984. Yep. They get to as high as number three. He breaks their, his arm. They're 6-6. Six and six. They play BYU in the Holiday Bowl. Harbaugh's on the opposing sideline watching BYU win that game. That's the connection with the coach. He, he's right. There, there's, there's so much more uh, that can happen because there's so much, you know, there's another month left in the season, and then who knows how long it goes. But we've not heard the last of this story for sure. No, no way. All right. You could listen to Cougar pregame live on Saturdays. We get you ready for kickoff between the Cougars and the Mountaineers. It starts at 5 Eastern time on BYU Radio. After the break, Mark Pope compared the Cougar crowd last night to what league and what does it mean? This is BYU Sports Nation. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Yeah, we just gave up on Chris, let's be honest. Uh, welcome back. else did too. Welcome back to Studio B, Jerem, Jason. <laughs> let's get to today's headlines. Yesterday, the Big 12 announced the conference schedule made. Wow, well, we should talk about this on the show. For all maybe, maybe 12, tomorrow. For all Big 12 teams for the 2024 through 2027 seasons, some highlights for BYU include playing Utah every year. Debatable if that's a highlight. Uh, playing Arizona, Arizona State, UCF, and Kansas three out of the four years, and playing every other team at least twice in the next four seasons. In other football news, the uh, West Virginia game on Saturday has been flexed. I'm a big fan of. Yeah, you are. From FS1 to Fox. Because of the World Series. Because of the World Series, yes. Because it's over. The Rangers won the World Series. Sorry, spoiler alert. Nice. So it's been. AOS, let's go. It's been flexed from FS1 to Big Boy Fox. Pre-game coverage will begin at 5 Eastern on both BYU TV and BYU Radio. As well as, how about this? BYU safety Ethan Slade has been named a Bullsworth Trophy nominee which is awarded the best college football player who began their career as a walk-on. Congratulations. Ethan Slade's been the starting strong safety this whole year, man. He's done a nice job. Men's Hoops beat Life Pacific 83-55, thanks to 20 points from Jackson Robinson on six of nine threes, 18 points from Spencer Johnson, five assists as well, including this behind the back dime to Foose. And BYU forces the steal. Nell, down floor Spencer Johnson, drops it off for Foose and he hammers it home. What a play. Spencer Johnson with the tee up for Fuseni Traore, and he rocks the rim. He didn't play as much in the second half. We joked it's because he didn't dunk it clean. It's all good. That was better than I could do. Cougars host Houston Christian Monday in the season opener with pregame on BYU TV and BYU Radio starting in 80s. BYU women's basketball beat Westminster 92-48 to in exhibition play. The Cougars jumped out to a 26 to nothing lead and led 33 to two 
at the end of the first quarter. Yeah. BYU was led by Lauren Gustin, another double-double, 29 points. She also grabbed 15 rebounds and in the process hit her fourth career three-pointer. Once Calvert in the post, kick back out. Gustin will try a three. Why not? Everything else is going right for Gustin. The triple gives her 15 points in the opening quarter. She was absolutely dominant, and so were the Cougars. Up next is the season opener at Montana State on Tuesday. I'll have the call live from Bozeman on BYU Radio, 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Mountain. Bringing back some uh, venison or something. Sure. Sixth ranked and two seed women's soccer jumped out to a 4-0 lead last night against UCF. Never looked back, beating the Knights 4-1 in the semifinals of the Big 12 tournament. Olivia Wade Katoa, two goals. Brecken Mozingo, Ellie Walbrook scored as well. Cougars play Texas. Uh, Saturday in the Big 12 title game on ESPN Plus. And Olivia Wade Katoa, they're going to be ba uh, back in Round Rock, by the way. They were in Austin last night. Olivia Wade Katoa, NCAA Soccer National Player of the Week after her brace last night. Congratulations goes out to Jimmer Fredette as yeah. the United States three-on-three -three basketball team has qualified for the 2024 Paris Olympics. That's, that's awesome. That's fantastic. Men's golf tied for seventh after day two at the Kapole Invitational in Hawaii. Max Brench leads, Zach Jones lead the way, shooting seven under, six under through the first two rounds. Uh, the final round is today. Zach Fuchs and Wally Thane of BYU Men's Tennis advanced to the second round of the ITA National Fall Championships yesterday. While on the women's side, Jackie Dunyan and Bobo Huang of the women's team fell in the round of 32. And Samson Nakua signs with the Michigan Panthers of the USFL. His brother and former Cougar safety Kai Nakua plays on the defensive side of the ball for the Michigan Panthers as well. Those are today's headlines. Now let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right, what was your biggest takeaway from uh, the men's exhibition win last night at the Marriott Center? The BYU needs Dallin Hall and Dawson Bay. Yeah. Uh, the little, little choppy, only 10 uh, turnovers, but felt like they needed a little more flow. Those two certainly need uh, to get back. Dawson Bay going to be out a minute. Dallin Hall hopefully will be back Monday. Yeah, that's kind of the way I went. Is just you want to see this team. I, I want to see what this team can do with all of its players. Get full complement of players, and then let's see how this team stacks up. That's little, kind of what I took A little away. banged up right now. Yep, no question. The Rock showed up last night. Nice crowd uh, in the student section for the exhibition game to the point where in the post game, Mark Pope was so impressed, he made a comparison that has some people talking. I'm telling you what, man. Like, I feel bad for everybody that doesn't get a chance to come play at BYU. You know, you think about it, like, and this is, this is probably, you guys know I exaggerate, but this might not be much of an exaggeration. For example, the defunct Pac-12, this is probably more fans and a better gym environment than most of the schools in the old Pac-12 had in a regular season game. Not wrong, <laughs> but what do you make of these comments? I love it. Any shot at the Pac-12, I'm all in for. <laughs> Bring it. There are some high-profile recruits BYU is trying to lock down next Wednesday on signing day that are competing, um, for, you know, BYU is competing against Pac-12 schools for. That is a message to them that, hey, look at look at these crowds, and there's a lot that BYU has to offer, certainly, in that regard. So right. We'll see what happens next, next week. Who had the more dominant first half? Was it women's basketball, who uh, led 26 to nothing, or was it women's soccer that had a halftime lead of 4-0? Women's soccer is so good. We've seen 4-0 leads, including yeah. Oklahoma, uh, you know, the game before. We don't see 26-0 starts, so I'm going to go with women's hoops there because that one was new. Yeah, same rationale for me. We've seen that before. <laughs> I was... Wow. BYU women's basketball came oh so close 
to, to shutting out Westminster in the first quarter. They ended 33 to two, and that two by the Griffins came with under a minute left in the quarter. Mm. I was like, oh, so close. But it was under three. <laughs> okay, uh, Texas Tech hosts TCU tonight. Uh, which means uh, Spencer and I need to make a pick. You'll, you'll I'll read Spencer's. Spencer's, yes. Red Raiders, a three-point favorite. I've got Texas Tech at home because Baron Morton is back. Remember, Jake Strong turned it over a bunch against BYU. The backup, Baron Morton, is back, and so I'm taking Tech by three or more. Okay, I'm not good at impressions, so I'm just going to do my own voice as Spencer, but I've got his no, no, quote. No, no, go ahead. No, I've got his quote. Uh, as Spencer, I'm going to say, I'm rolling with Tech. Okay, then. I love it. End okay. quote. We, we got to throw that one out there. We'll keep an eye on that game tonight. I'm, on this week's Big Stories podcast, learn how players from Finland, Sweden, and the Netherlands discovered the American game and how they made it to Morgantown. Listen to Big Stories on the BYU Radio app or wherever you find podcasts. The first conference tournament titles up for grabs Saturday night in the Big 12 for BYU. In women's soccer, they play Texas. Do they need it to get a one seed in the NCAA tournament? And how do they win? Bella Felina. Polino joins us from Round Rock after the break. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Bella Felino, part of that loaded senior class for women's soccer that has only lost one time and been tied thrice this year. Potential one seed on the line coming up Saturday against Texas in the Big 12 title game as we welcome you back to BYU Sports Nation. Jerem Jordan, Jason Shepard. We now go to Round Rock, Texas, where Bella Felino joins us live ahead of the championship game coming up on Saturday. Bella, how you doing? And congratulations on the semifinal win against UCF last night. Thank you. I'm doing great. Can't. Can't ask for much more. Maybe just my own bed, but can't ask for much more. <laughs> Who, who's, who's your roommate on this trip? I'm with Tara. Very nice. How, how's, uh, how's the trip been so far? Obviously, winning two games is awesome, but you've, you've had to shuffle some things, thinking you were going to play in Round Rock, staying in Round Rock, playing in Austin at Texas. Now you're going to play back at Round Rock. How's, how's all of that been? It's been super good. One thing I love about this team is we're just so – so easy going you could change the field it could be you know 30 degrees it could be pouring rain and we're still gonna come out and give it our best last night you guys end up scoring four goals all in the first half how satisfying is that because I know you guys every team wants to come out and have that that hot start and really put the opposition on their heels you guys do it quite frequently how satisfying was that halftime lead knowing that the first 45 minutes you guys had just played Oh, it relieves so much pressure. It definitely changes that dynamic on the field, on the bench. Everyone's laughing and having fun. And I think that actually lets us play even more to our strengths and play even better when we're having fun and relieve all the pressure early on. Well, it's fun when you lead the country in goals, assists, points, goals per game, all of that. Um, <laughs> you, you guys have been so uh, good on offense the last couple of years, but this year feels like it's been another level. What What has it taken to become that team this year that – peppers the goal with all kinds of shots and a lot of going in yeah I think part of that is we just have such a strong class of returning girls and a super deep bench like we've played together for like almost what four years now and I think that's helped a ton and I also think our defensive energy Jen always tells us that defense wins championships so I think our defense helps us to like actually score more goals than the other teams as well 
Bella, this is a, a different way to end the season before the NCAA tournament starts. You guys, none of you have played in a conference tournament like this. You're used to playing in the WCC where you finish out the regular season and then you kind of have to wait. How has the, mm -hmm. the conference tournament experience been? It's been super fun. I'm super happy. I got to stay, stick around for another year and play in the conference tournament. And we have the chance to play for a number one seed, which is super cool. And I actually love that we were able to do that. You played in 101 games now, second most in uh, Cougar history to Jamie Shepard, who I think may have played in one or two more. Um, what, mm -hmm. what has it been like to have this journey that obviously COVID has impacted in a way where you get another season? But with this particular group of what, is it 10 seniors, maybe 11? that you've been together, like him. you said, you've been to the national championship game, and now you're going for that again. I think it's super cool. And unlike a lot of other countries or other teams in the country, we've played together for a lot of years. Like, and we just keep getting to build and build and build. And ultimately, this is the, our last year, our last shot, and go out on top would be the goal. In terms of playing your best soccer, where do you feel the team is at right now? I think we're peaking at a good time. Like, I think we're on the up, and I don't think we've played our best game yet, which is super cool and super exciting. You've won six straight. You've outscored opponents 20-3. to three. You're going to play Texas again, this time not on Texas' home field, although you've won all three games. Uh, you've played <laughs> on that field, two this week. Mm -hmm. You're going back to Round Rock. What will it take to beat Texas again? I think another strong start like we've been having. But I finish some goals early on and keep with our strong defense, I think – if we also play how we've been playing, play with confidence that I know we've earned and we have, I think we'll, we'll have a good shot of beating them. When you look at everything that you have, have experienced, not just on the field, but dealing with injuries, what's, with this being your senior season, how, how reflective have you been? Or are you pushing all that aside and trying to focus on the task at hand and then you'll worry about that stuff later? I am for sure pushing it all on the back burner, just focusing <laughs> game by game. It hasn't quite hit me that in a couple couple months I'll be done, but that's for later, later problems. And what's wild with tournament play especially is walking into this week, you didn't know if you had two games left in your BYU career or nine. You're, you've gotten mm -hmm. to the third Big 12 title game. You're hoping to get to a sixth game in the NCAA tournament. Do you feel like you need to win this game to get a one seed in the NCAA tournament and potentially host should you win all the way up to the college cup or uh, have you earned a one seed at this point? I like to think we have a one seed either way, but winning the tournament will give us that automatic one seed, which would be super awesome. And like we've talked about, it's my senior year. I'd love to host games all the way to the college cup. Like I think that'd be amazing, but I think we've done well enough. We have a high enough RPI that we'll for sure be a one or two seed. I, I'm not asking which is better. I, I'm, I'm curious, the team that obviously played in the, in the national championship game just a couple of seasons ago, where is this team different than that team? It's a good question. We are different, but like at the end of the day, I feel like both of these teams have been super good at keeping shutouts and scoring goals. But this team is definitely, I think we have a lot more personality, both on and off the field. The team's just full of goofballs, and everyone's always having fun, which I think leads to us our, leads to our success. I saw Michaela Coulihan on campus recently. We can't find a little COVID extra season, just worker in the midfield for uh, the NCAA <laughs> that tournament. That would, that would be fun and weird. Uh, but, yeah, best of luck against Texas. Uh, women's cross country brought home the first Big 12 championship in the kind of team tournament format. This would be the first in BYU sports history. So best of luck 
8 Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN Plus against Texas Saturday. All the karma yes. we can give you. Yes. You've already scored a couple of <laughs> goals this you. week. Let's get some more and uh, beat the Longhorns. Yeah, exactly. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Bella. Bella Felino from guys. Round Rock, Texas. And uh, the, listen, they win that. They are for sure a one seed. Yeah, and they may they be regardless. Up to four, they might be regardless. They have done so well this year. Certainly only one loss was at Utah State. That was a weird game. Three ties, a couple of those at home were TCU and Texas Tech. Those aren't the worst things in the world. Those are good teams, right, that are going to be in the but tourney. But it was, it was a frustrating part of the season for the team. Yes. And I think it's something that, that they can call back on and use as fuel because they – I think they did already. Yeah, I, I, well, and I mean, I think you can tap into that and continue with that. I, I, fully, I fully expect them to go beat Texas. I fully expect them to be a number one seed. And then, honestly, the sky's the limit. You're hosting the College Cup all the way to the Final Four. This team, Southfield. So, this team's so good. That's yes. my expectation. Yes, 100. percent With a loaded senior class, this is the best. This might be the best team BYU's ever had, and that's saying a lot because 21 was amazing yes. and 19 was amazing. So we, there's some work to do. But yeah, Saturday, 8 Eastern. ESPN Plus, watch that game against Texas. All right, number 12, BYU Women's Volleyball looks to bounce back from back-to-back losses to K-State on Friday when the Cougars host Cincinnati at 9 Eastern on Big 12 Now on ESPN Plus. Heather Olmstead literally told me we're on to Cincinnati. I was like, do you know the Bill Belichick quote? She did not. Now she does. Coming up after the break, a rise and shout-out to Jimmer for the new accomplishment. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Our question of the day, what stands out to you about BYU's Big 12 football schedule in the next four years? Our elite voice of the day is presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Zach Jacob on Facebook. BYU doesn't have to go to the East Coast twice in the same season. West Virginia, UCF, Cincy. That's a good thing. That's a, that's a great point. Just kind of limiting those to possibly one a year. Today's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. How about we give it to Olympian Jimmer Fredette? Three on three, it's going to be represented yep. in the Paris Olympics in 2020. He shall be. Yes. And we'll get excited about that next uh, next year. Our thanks to today's guests, Max Olson and Bella Folina. Conversation continues 24-7 on X, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all of our shows are on demand on BYUSN.com. Sorry to Dennis, we ran out of time, although we had you on last week. For Jason, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Jordan Johnson. Go Cougs. A lot going on the next couple of days. Spencer from West Virginia on the show tomorrow.